what's going on guys welcome back to the full court blitz sports show a show where we talk about the most pressing nfl and nba news uh make sure to use that link anchor.fm forward slash anthony dash mccully that's m-c-c-u-l-l-e-y again that is m-c-c-u-l-l-e-y when you get to the link please make sure to hit the follow button as well uh, to be notified of every upload uh, every other morning and also, please make sure to share the podcast around. I definitely appreciate that as well. Also, one last thing, please just rate the podcast on Google and Apple Podcasts. Uh, that helps me just see who's all enjoying the show and, you know, what I could do better on. So I definitely appreciate too that too. So hopefully you're all having an amazing morning or day or evening, whenever you guys are watching this. Um... I still just want to say thank you guys for all the support on the show. 401 total plays up to this point. Uh, breaking that 400 is is crazy. Up to 401. And I, it's all because of you guys again. So I just want to say thank you. But, um, you know, let's get into it today. So the first half of things we got here are actually NFL things to talk about. And uh, most of them or all of them are on the NFL.com official website. Just letting you guys know. But, um, yes, let's get into it. So, I actually have... Okay, so this one's weird because there is... So, there's an article from... There's an article from yesterday, September 8th, on Broncos linebacker Von Miller talking about how he underwent an MRI after suffering a lower leg injury in practice. And then now today I'm going to talk about what actually came about that. So now this is today, September 9th, today's article about it. And this is the, actually the result of yesterday's article. So it now says that Von Miller suffered a dislocated peroneal tendon in his ankle. So, an MRI Bronco star linebacker revealed a dislocated peroneal tendon. Ian Rapport and Mike Garofalo of NFL Network did report on this. Miller's tendon flipped over the ankle bone. And that's what caused this, like, yeah. So, and Rapport, and Ian Rapport does add on that his best option at this point would be pretty much be surgery. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I really won't be too surprised. I mean, if it's something that serious, I'd imagine probably when he's going to do what I don't know, he's probably going to first decide, you know, because if he decides to, you know, try to come back still, which I doubt he would be able to do anyway, but if he were to try to, he would probably, you know, he wouldn't rush it, but he would try to, like, you know, he would probably do the surgery now. And, um, you know, maybe try to speed up the process by doing stuff, you know, whatever he can do to, um, to get out there before the season ends. But if he decides to, which I don't think would be very smart anyway, but he'll most likely decide to just sit out. So that way he could, you know, get the surgery done, whatever it needs to be done and then be able to take his time once he decides to, you know, 
be done for the year, which if that's the case, then Denver is going to have – I really messed up uh, defense because, you know, with him being the defensive leader on that team. But um, it goes on to say that the general recovery, recovery time based on his injury is five to six months. A best-case scenario would be three months. So either way, it still sounds like – I don't know. If he were to make it still, it would be very late in the season. It would be like the tail end of the season for the Broncos. I don't see him being ba- being able to play very much. I mean, that's like week 15. That's like the last month of football, like December. So, you know, November, December. So, yeah, it sucks to see that. It sucks that he doesn't have a whole lot of options, but he does have some. I mean, even for the extent of the injury – the fact that you could even think about saying that he at least has a chance is kind of weird. But um, I wouldn't really say, like, if it does come down to the last month of football, so week 14, 15, 16, 17, or 15, 16, 17, I wouldn't say that there wouldn't really be a point to play. Just let it completely heal up and um, come back strong next year is what I would say. But um, it goes on to say that the Broncos are expecting a longer time frame for their Pro Bowl pass rusher. Mike Garofalo reported that. So it says that he, like I said, he suffered it in practice on Tuesday and was immediately feared, feared to be out for the season. Is scheduled to seek a second opinion from Dr. Robert Anderson in Green Bay on Thursday. Yeah, coming all the way from Denver to Wisconsin. How cool. But, um... It goes on, the last thing I'm going to kind of read here, it says he was... It was said that he was rejuvenated this offseason after posting just eight sacks in 2019. A comeback campaign will likely have to wait another year. So, yeah. I mean, everyone's kind of betting on the fact... And, I mean, that's realistic to say. I mean, I wouldn't blame them to think realistically here because this is serious and you don't want to lose him, you know, early, you know, earlier than they need to. But it's realistic to think that he's not going to come back. Like, if you're the Denver Broncos, I would approach this as a realistic approach and say, like, you know what? Yeah, there may be a chance, but realistically, it is a no. I mean, let's face it, what would be... What would hurt to miss the last, if he's able to play the last three games, what would hurt, you know, he's already missed all this time. What would hurt just missing the last three games? And I know that if you're an NFL player, this is what you love to do. So, you know, this is what you love to do. It's it's hard to say no, but at the same time, is it, you know, in this, you know, at this point in his career, it's not like he really has anything else to prove. We've already, it's already been established for a long time now that he's going to go down as one of the best linebackers in the league. You know, that's just, that's just plain and simple. So, I mean, yeah, he may think he has more to prove, but like at this point in his career, he needs to take it a little bit slower. You know, third, you know, when you get in your thirties, history proves that, you know, history, you know, history proves that time isn't really on your side when you're in your thirties. Um, but I still think that he's going to come back strong. I mean, I still, I don't, I, th- I think he's still young enough to where 
you know, if maybe if he was 34, 35, I'd be like, yeah, you really should take it slow, but he's only 31. I'd say he's still young enough to be able to be like, you know what? I'm going to come back strong. He could still win comeback player of the year. And, you know, if he, if he shows, I mean, that's way down the future, but if he shows, if he shows that he's, you know, good enough for that type of, you know, if he shows that he's like, doing really, really good for his, you know, for the next season, I might throw him in the debate for comeback player of the year, but that's for a different time because that's not even close. But, um, yeah, that's what's going on here. That's basically about it. You know, we should just uh, keep seeing, you know, what's going to happen. Keep, um, you know, keep an eye on it. See if he, you know, see what he ends up saying. Realistically, it's going to be that he's going to sit out the year. That would be the smart thing to do, but, I guess you could always wait to see what happens. Play it by ear. Um, so yeah, we'll keep an eye on it, see what happens. So next thing we got here is okay. So Akeem Talib, former All-Pro cornerback and defensive back, is announcing his retirement after twelve seasons. So he will start a multi-platform podcast titled Call to the Booth as he moves into a media role. The talkative, tough defender retiring classic to leap fashion, saying his goodbyes via social media video. The 34-year-old said he was asked by Bill Belichick to return for one more season to help over tight ends, cover tight ends, so that he considered covering the likes of George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, etc. on the Pat's schedule. He realized it was time to retire. Given the tight ends the Pats face, one could see why Belichick might check in on Tlaib's willingness to return. And I mean, who knows? It's so common nowadays. We I think we are in a time where a player will retire in, in any sort of league, you know. Excuse me. But yeah, they'll they'll they retire and then they'll come back, you know, months later. So, I mean, not even months, you know, maybe a week later, maybe a month later, maybe a couple months later. Like, we're just living a time where a player will retire and then they'll come back. So, you never know. He might, you know, he might miss the feeling and he might want to come back. Something tells me that he's retiring because of something with his body. Again, that's exactly what Gronkowski did. He took a year off. Maybe he takes a couple months off and then maybe he comes back. I don't know. But, um, let's see here. He goes on to say, by saying, quote, I just wasn't feeling it no more, honestly, end quote. So, yeah, I mean, that, that could be, you know, maybe that doesn't really suggest a body thing. Maybe that suggests just like he's not really having fun anymore. And, you know, maybe he... You know, like I said, maybe he takes a couple months off, take you know, gets a you know, gets his body rested up. Maybe he starts rethinking it. You know, maybe he thinks, you know, what I missed football. I want to go back, and I think New England would be one of the first teams, and um, you know, to talk to him, and so yeah. But it goes on to talk about his history here. Obviously, first round pick by the Buccaneers. So he played for the Pats in 2012 and 2013 after being traded from Tampa Bay in the middle of the season. 
After his run in New England, Tlaib spent four seasons in Denver, where he won a Super Bowl ring and famously ripped off Michael Crabtree's gold chain during a game. So, and then it says he spent the last two years with the Rams, played just five games in 2019 before going on IRR with a rib injury. The corner was traded to Miami in a salary during in a salary camp and a salary dump midseason. So, yeah. It's going to suck to not see him in the league anymore. It really will. But, um, you know, if that's what he's thinking, then, you know, we all have to kind of, you know, come to terms with it. You know, obviously, we can't say anything about him coming back. We can't, obviously, bring him back. So, yeah, it does suck. But um, next thing we got here is Steelers linebacker Ryan Shazier officially retires from the NFL. So, this is coming off of, you know... <clears throat> Excuse me. This is coming off that injury he had back in 2017. Where he had a, you know, relearn to walk. You know, it was just one of them serious back injuries. I think he, what was it, he broke his back or something like that? I forget. But, um, so yeah. Goes on to say that his life changed exactly 1,010 days ago. When the Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker sustained a spinal contusion making a tackle on December 4th, 2017, he battled every step to come back, believing he could one day return. None doubted the desire of the spirited linebacker. And he, we also all kind of thought he was going to come back because he, you know, with how he was, you know, uh, with how he was rehabbing, with how he was, you know, training to come back we all kind of really thought that he wasn't to come back and then this this was all kind of sudden but um here wednesday he officially announced his retirement by saying in a statement uh quote football gave me everything i could ever want and more it taught me about hard work dedication teamwork it took me to college and the nfl it made me money it gave me a life that most people can only dream about. I'm here today to make sure the world knows how much I still love football, how grateful I am for everything football gave me, and I'm here to let the world know that today I am officially retiring from the game I love so much. End quote. So that's going to be really hard to say, especially when you worked your ass off to, you know, get to this point, um, to be able to walk again, to be able to, you know, start doing physical activity again, you know, to be able to just work your ass off and get to this point only to have to retire. Like, this is the last thing that was, this is the last option that was probably for him. Maybe he just decided, you know what? I'm still not in the best of shape. I'm still not, I still don't feel, you know, because the whole point of that was to, you know, the whole point of the physical therapy was to come back, you know, maybe not 100%, but maybe 80, 90%, or maybe 70, 80%. Maybe he's just feeling like after this, Maybe it's not, maybe it's the motivation's gone. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, maybe it's the fact that he just doesn't feel like he should be playing anymore, like, you know, body-wise. And, you know, that's probably the main thing for him is probably his body. And I know I just got done talking about how players do come back. He, this was such a serious injury. I don't. I don't even think it's anything he's going to think about. You know, I don't, I don't think, although he would love to, I don't think it's something 
that's in his best interest, and I don't think it's just something he'll think about. You know, because I I normally I did just say that players retire, and then we live in a time where players retire, come back. But um, I just I don't think this was way too serious for him. This is bigger than him. This is way too serious to, you know, this would be way too serious to try and come back. You know, it's it's his body's more important and his health is more important than playing football anymore at this point in his career. And, um, but yeah, let's move on here by saying in another statement or the same statement, but different, you know, kind of broke it down by saying, quote, when you play the game of football, the way I did, you convince yourself you're Superman, then nothing can stop you. But then the moment I got hurt, I stopped being Superman, and that was difficult to make sense. But the way I look at it, God put us all here for a purpose. For 20 years, he let, he let me play football, and now it's time for me to do what he wants me to do, end quote. So, yeah, I mean, and it goes on to say that this could be a blessing in disguise, you know. This is probably one of the harder things he has ever had to do. And, um, but, you know, it could be a blessing in disguise by, you know, Ending a chapter and uh, beginning a new one in a whole different, you know, with a whole different, um, you know, a whole new retirement, you know, a whole new retirement journey by starting something else. You know, maybe he starts up a podcast or something, um, or maybe he becomes an analyst. I don't know. But, um. Yeah, so there's that. And then the next thing we got here is cornerback, Rams cornerback Jalen Ramsey is signing a five-year, $105 million extension. So Rams agreed to a five-year extension with Ramsey. The deal is worth $105 million, reported by Ian Rappaport, including $71.2 million in guarantees at signing. At $21 million per year, Ramsey's extension shatters the defensive back market, which led previous, which had previously seen Darius Slay top it at an average of $16.68 million a season. So this is actually just killing it. Per over the cap, Ramsey jumps from 31st to 21st, from 31st to 1st in the highest annual salary, landing a massive first contract following his rookie deal which is set up to pay him $13.7 million in its final year of 2020. It will be interesting to see how Los Angeles structured his deal. this deal, considering the Rams were over the cap by a little over 600000 at the time the deal was announced, with $36 million in dead money still hanging from their necks due, to, due in most part to the departures of Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, and Clay Matthews. They are attempting to execute a financial transformation and wasn't seemingly poised to hand out a massive contract. But um, I guess if you're trying to keep a player around like Jalen Ramsey, I guess it's just something they felt like they had to do. I went no, but, you know, it's interesting. And I did forget to do this, by the way. I do want to talk about his... Um, his 2019 season in, you know, contract-wise, I always forget to, or, you know, stat-wise and talk about his 2019 stats. So, 
Okay. So his 2019 looked like this. 50 tackles, 0 sacks, 37 forced fumbles, 1 pick, and 0 safeties. So, yeah. I mean, 50 tackles, it's actually pretty good. It's actually not bad at all. Um, but yeah, not too much else on there. Just kind of, you know, just kind of getting it out there. Uh, it does go on to talk about actually more stats here that per football focus, this is the source of it all. Ramsey's 10 picks and 49 passes defended in his career have helped him reach the Pro Bowl in each of his last three seasons. And after becoming a somewhat of a Mel Cotton in his final days in Jacksonville, this is after becoming all pro the same campaign. But yeah, so that's uh, kind of just it for that. Uh, move on here. Broncos to host limited fans at home games beginning week three. So this was, I, I was kind of interested when I saw this because, you know, what does it mean for weeks one and two? Does it mean that they're going to go no fans for week one and two? Or does that mean, you know, does it mean they're going to go no fans week one and two and then start hosting limited in week three and beyond? Or I'm confused here, but I guess we'll just have to keep reading. So beginning on September 27th, when the team hosts the Buccaneers, 5,700 members of the Broncos faithful will be permitted to attend home games. They worked on a consultation with the state of Colorado and the Colorado Department of Public Health to determine that figure, which represents approximately 7.5% of the stadium's capacity of 76,125. The Broncos had actually previously said on August 21st that their seasons, that their opener against the Titans in week one would be held without crowd due to the ongoing pandemic. I did remember, I actually do remember that. But some of the protocols the team wants to enforce quite include mandatory face coverings, requirements of distancing, possibly no tailgating or congregating inside the, inside the concourses, stadium, or bowl, touchless restrooms, improved air purification systems, and increased sanitization protocols. Denver intends to continue to work with state public health experts to revive the possibility of increasing treatment. So, yeah. And this all depends, and again, this is all dependent on what state these teams are in. You know, it's all dependent on where they're at in the world. Because, obviously, the pandemic isn't in the same state. Like, the pandemic isn't in, you know, it's it's stronger and it's weaker in some parts of the world. So, it, it could be really bad in Denver. It could cause certain regulations. It could be, it could be causing, you know, it could cause stricter regulations in Denver versus, like, where it could be in, in Wisconsin or, you know, for the Packers or something like that. So, you know, it's all just kind of dependent on where you're at in the world and what city these teams are in and you know because each state with a football team has different regulations and has different protocols based on how the virus is doing in their state 
So, yeah, it's all just kind of dependent. Well, so I guess after reading that, it makes me, it makes, it sounds like as if they're, they're going to do weeks one and two without fans. And then um, they're going to try it week three. And then they're going to try and get, you know, they're continuing, like they said, they're going to continue to work with Colorado State Public Health and see if they can get more fans you know, throughout the season. So, uh, but yeah, so there's that. And then the next thing we got here is, so this is actually kind of interesting. There's eight positive cases and latest COVID-19 testing data from the NFL and NFLPA. So this is, I know it's not good to hear, but this is better than what we've been getting. So, you know, as of, you know, as of recently, not recently, but like, you know, maybe a couple weeks ago, where they were having problems with getting false positive tests, you know, false, false positive COVID-19 tests. Whereas now at least we're getting straight positives. Like we're not getting no false positives. We're getting straight positives. And I know it's not good, but it's better now that after they readjusted their pro testing protocols, you know, to fix that problem, at least now we're getting straight positives instead of false positives. I'd rather be hearing that we're getting eight positives instead of eight false positives again. So I'd rather be hearing that we get positives, but it's still not good to hear. But I'd much rather hear this than the other way around. But, um, so they announced Tuesday that they're testing results for the period from the August 30th to September 5th. Of the 44,510 tests administered for a total to a total administered to a total of 8,349 players and team personnel. One player is confirmed to test positive for the virus. Seven confirmed positives emerged from testing of non-player personnel, bringing the combined total to eight for the period of time. Of the 44,510 tests administered, 17,519 were 2,641 players. So of the 17,000... So 17,519... So 2,641 of those 17,519 were players. While the other 26,991 tests were administered to 5,708 team personnel. The combined positive test rate testing rate across the league for this period of time was 0 0.17%, 0.017%. Uh, NFLPA president and Brown center, J.C. Treader, was vocal throughout the preseason about the importance of continuing daily testing throughout the regular season, and the NFL and NFLPA agreed the last week to do so. Daily testing has been has has proven to be effective, preventing the spread of the virus among NFL players and clubs. Regular season's kickoff regular season sets for kickoff Thursday. The league and players unions approach has been crucial to steering the season without major issue. So although there's positives, positive testing, they're still continuing to work hard and make sure that the season starts when it should and keep it on keep it on track. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to see that, 
You know, who who would have thought that just a couple days, you know, just a week before the season's going to start, we get eight positive cases for the moment being. Um, those players have not yet been named. I'm sure they will be in the coming days as, you know, as it becomes confirmed. I'd imagine they just want to confirm it first before tossing out names and making fake stories and accusations. But, um, yeah, so I think what we're going to do now is we're actually going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we will finish out the rest of these. So, yeah, we'll be back and, um, yeah, we'll get started again. All right, welcome back to the show after that break. We are just getting done talking about the eight positive cases in the NFL. So uh, let's move on now, though. Uh, next thing we got here is, I'm actually surprised to hear about this. You don't really hear about this guy anymore. Browns running back Kareem Hunt signings, signs a two-year $13.25 million extension. So Ian report, did report this on Tuesday that, the, that Hunt and the Browns agreed to a two-year extension for $13.25 million. The deal includes $8.5 million in guarantees. They, the team does later announce that this that this extends them through 2022. He was set to enter 2020. He was set to enter 2020 on a one-year restricted free agent tender worth 3.259 million. Now the now now Kareem is tied to Cleveland for the next three years. And this is again just a kind of re- recap of Kareem Hunt. This is kind of coming from, you know, being cut by Kansas City from all those allegations he had against them, and um, you know, all of his you know his criminal history with um, you know, he was doing criminal activity with the Chiefs. They go ahead and release him. Browns then later on pick him up. And um, I think he was eventually, I think with the Browns, he was suspended for the season. So we really haven't seen him in a while. But um, I was going to talk about his rookie season, compiling 1,327 yards, rushing with eight TDs on 272 carries, and added 53 receptions for 455 yards and three additional scores. His stellar play continued in 2018 until he was unceremoniously released by the Chiefs midseason after a video surfaced of him physically assaulting a woman. Hunt's son in Cleveland 2019 was suspended for the first eight games of the season. That's what it was, not the whole season, but I remember him being suspended. Last year, joining Nick Chubb in the Browns, Hunt carried 43 times for 179 yards and two scores with 37 catches for 285 yards and another touchdown in eight games. And, um, so yeah. And I personally think the Chiefs were better off without Kareem Hunt anyway. Even when they had him, I think he was better off not on the team. I think they fit better well. Um, I, I like, I actually like seeing Kareem Hunt on the Browns. And I like seeing, um, who am I thinking of for Kansas City? And I love seeing Damian Williams out there for the Chiefs. So, but yeah. So there's that. 
Uh, next thing we got here is this is actually kind of uh, this was kind of funnier than anything because you know how the NFL does those, you know they do post game jersey swaps. So the NFL notified their notifies the teams in a memo that they can exchange their jerseys by mail. You know with the current times that we live in, obviously that would be breaking social distancing rules. That it seems like the NFL will be enforcing pretty heavy or not even just NFL, but these teams will be forcing social distancing pretty, pretty heavy at these games. So, um, but yeah, so they're going to exchange by mail instead of doing it after the game. The rule has been slightly augmented as, or, or as NFL networks, Temple Sierra reported hashed, um, quote, Jersey exchanges are back on for 2020, sort of, end quote. The league did inform teams on Monday that it's partnering Tide Laundry Detergent and Fabric Care Products, which will cover the cost of one replacement jersey per player. All of said jerseys will be washed first and exchanged by mail. Therefore, on-field exchanges are still prohibited and subject to team discipline, most likely a fine. So... Okay, so this is how, this is, shout out to Tom Pelissero on Twitter for getting this out to us. So this is what it talks about. So it's going to talk, it's it's kind of talking about how this is going to look this year. And um, this is how, like, if you're going to do a jersey swap, you know, for this upcoming year, this is how it's going to have to look. Um, This is like how it's going to be, you know, this is how they're going to go about it. So... And this is also based on dotted, you know, uh, bullet, um, what am I trying to say? Anyway, but yeah, so this is how it's going to go. So first full, first one is players must communicate whether they would like to participate in exchanging. So this is going to have to be like a preset thing, but, um, let's move on here. So players must communicate whether they would like to participate in exchanging their jersey with a player from the opposing team via email, text, or other communication with this club's equipment manager or managers. Second thing, club equipment managers must remove the must remove the Nick Kinexon contact tracing devices from jerseys in the locker room and return the device to the charging cradle or personal wrist strap. Third thing Club equipment managers must collect the jerseys of players participating in the jersey exchange for that game and clean the jerseys. Clubs are encouraged but not required to use Tide Hygienic Clean Detergent, which will be provided by Tide in October. After the participating player's jersey is cleaned, the equipment managers ship the team jersey to the club facility of the player from the opposing team with whom the participating player is exchanging his jersey. Prior to following prior to the following game, the club equipment managers will return the Kinexon devices to replacement jerseys for all players who had exchanged a jersey in the previous game. And then the last thing, pre players are not permitted to exchange jerseys during your club's designated crucial catch and salute to service games. Those jerseys must be returned to NFL auction for cancer awareness and military appreciation fundraising initiatives. So every other game, except for the games around these times, will be allowed to 
will be eligible to exchange their jerseys because when they do these initiatives, when NFL partners with these initiatives, they take these players' jerseys when they play during these times, they take them and then they donate them for money. You know, they get the value, they get money value out of whatever they're worth. You know, after they're, you know, obviously they're player worn, so they're going to be worth quite a bit after they're worn. But um, they're going to, you know, they get money out of, you know, out of, out of product value. And then they donate it to wherever they want to, wherever they partner with. So, um, you know, that's, that, that's definitely kind of cool. Oh, it's an interesting technique for the season, nonetheless, exchanging by mail. So it's all mainly going to be enforced by the team, uh, by equipment managers and staff managers. So it's pretty interesting to think about. Uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if, you know, how, how cleanly it kind of comes out. But um, the last three things, last actually four things I got here are NBA related. So let's get into it now. So. The NBA and NBA PA agree on pushing back date of draft in free agency. So this is kind of something that, you know, it was kind of, you know, it wasn't really expected to happen, but it was kind of something that was thought about. And now it's kind of like, yeah, it's going to happen. Um, it's, I guess it's not really something that we feared to happen, but it's kind of something like, it wasn't like the first thing that we we're thinking about, but it's like, it's in the back of our minds, but it's not like something that we're going to put in play like right now. And I guess now it's going to happen. So, and I actually remember the last time I even talked about this was in the pod. Uh, I ended up bringing up, I ended up bringing up the fact that I think that if they do end up pushing back the free agency and draft, it's going to be because they want to get fans. Um, unless I'm thinking about something else. I feel like I'm thinking about something else. Oh, I think I'm thinking about when the NFL did it. Oh, wait, was it for this? I can't remember. But anyway, let's move on here. So we're going to start talking about this. So, so having the season suspended in mid-March, the league resumed its play in July, late July and has yet to name a single team to the conference finals. There could still be a month of play left in the season. That could push the season until early October. The 2020 draft would be scheduled just a handful of days later with numerous transactions taking place just days after that when the free agency period opens up. Those two events were set to take place on October 16th and October 18th. While we do not know the new dates, it has been reported that those will be pushed back likely into November with the new year hopefully starting on Christmas or soon after. Shamsharania was the first to report the changing of the dates. As I just told you guys, October 16th and the and the October 16th draft and October 18th free agency in the 2020-2021 season. Again, no dates have yet been confirmed or even talked about yet. Um but yeah, there's that. Not really a whole lot to talk about. Just kind of something to bring up. So um, yeah, again, it's official now. They don't know when, but the date of the draft and free agency will be pushed back. And I will let you guys know 
whether it be on social media or in another podcast, whenever it kind of comes out. If it comes out tomorrow, I'll be doing it on social media. If it comes out two days from now, I'll be doing it, you know, in a podcast. So we'll see. But uh, not a whole else, not a whole lot else to talk about for that, and uh, we'll move on here. So Marvin Williams has announced his retirement. You know, former former Charlotte Hornet, and then playing for the Bucks. So. After and this is coming after the Heat um, took out the, or the Heat knocked out the number one seeded Bucks in the playoffs that Marvin Williams was a part of. Now he's saying goodbye. Williams put up a sh- put up a solid showing in his final outing, scoring eleven points to go with eight rebounds in twenty minutes of twenty minutes off the bench. He spent the better part of his six seasons with the Hornets and was a con- and was a consummate professional the entire time he was there. Smoothly transitioned from starter to bench contributor in his last couple seasons here and was generally and was generally as steady as they come in his role. And um, he actually ended up saying in a quote, "Shout out to Mark J. Spears on Twitter for saying." This by saying, quote, I've been very blessed. God has been very, very good to me, uh, end quote. So not a whole lot to really talk about. Just kind of tossing it out there. Marvin Williams, again, is done coming off of being coming off of being knocked out by the heat in the playoffs with the Miami Buck with the Milwaukee Bucks. Excuse me. Um. So, yeah, we'll see what kind of venture he gets into after this. Usually NBA players or NFL players will get into like analyze, you know, analytics and stuff like that. We'll see if he ends up doing any of that. I don't know. But um so yeah, next thing we got here is Oh, I put in Well, that's my bad. I actually said the last four things. I meant to say the last three things because I double clicked on the same article. My bad. So, last thing we got here is the Billy Donovan and the Thunder have mutually agreed to part ways. So, this is coming September 8th, actually. So, yesterday. And I guess, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't really, like, I guess it just depends on who you ask. Does it really come as a surprise that he was fired? Or that they both agreed to, you know, kind of end their, you know, end their time together? I mean, this is coming after Billy Donovan has gone... Four straight seasons being swept in the first round, four straight years in a row. You know, this is including this is including this this these current playoffs. The Thunder got, you know, first one swept or first down swept, first round exits by the Rockets. This is actually the second time the Rockets took out the Thunder. Um this time went a little bit better, going seven games last time this happened with the Rockets. The Thunder went about I think it I think they actually got swept. So, I mean, but that's all the, that's, I mean, that's the negatives. You got to look at the positives. He brought the Thunder to the playoffs. You know, I think he had one of the harder parts of coming to a new team. You know, his first season was, you know, he, he kind of had a little bit rough because he kind of caught the tail end of Kevin, of Kevin Durant being with the Thunder. 
you know, he coached that one year, you know, Scott Brooks was gone. And then, um, you know, Billy Donovan comes in with, you know, coaching Kevin Durant's final year with, the, you know, would be final year with the Thunder. And then going to the, you know, you know, the rest is history with that. But, um, you know, I think with the type of way that he came with, you know, came to the Thunder, you know, with the type of environment the Thunder were currently in at the time, I think that, you know, still being able to get them to the playoffs four straight times in a row was actually pretty good. I would have liked to have seen them go a little bit farther. The last time the Thunder made it close was the last season with Scott Brooks uh, back in the 2016 season. Or actually not with Scott Brooks, with Billy Donovan, excuse me. I think that that was, was it with, wait. I'm now confusing myself, hold up. I want to say it was with Scott Brooks, but now I need to look it up because I cannot remember. Brooks inked a five-year deal with the Wizards in April 2016. Okay, yeah, so that was with the Thunder. Okay, that's what I thought. So in April 2016, so yeah, that was after that happened. Okay, so yeah, I did think so, but I don't know why I confused myself. So, yeah, so. Excuse me. So that was the last time that um, the Thunder made it even close to the finals. Billy Donovan, four straight exits, first round exits. But again, that's just the negatives. He did, you know, I, I some could say he could have done worse. Some could say he could have done a lot better. I don't know who they're going to go with now. As of the moment, there's not a whole lot of coaching out there, coaches out there. Um, but, you know, I think with the performance... Billy Donovan put up with the Thunder over these past five seasons. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's ideal. You know, I think it's um, clear to say that, I think it's safe to say that you could see, you could expect to see Billy Donovan out on the NBA floor once again with another team. So I don't, I don't think he's done in the NBA. I think he can, I think he's got it in him to keep coaching. And um, it's actually, I just saw an article actually before I reported that, before I started recording I, I forgot to add it in here, but it is looking like the Thunder Realm. It is looking like Billy Donovan is actually a pretty strong candidate to become the 76ers next head coach. So we'll keep an eye on that too and see if he ends up making it. But uh, again, guys, this has been, that was the final thing to talk about today. This is, that's, that's all we got for today. Again, make sure to use that link anchor.fm forward slash Anthony Dash McCulley. That's M-C-C-U-L-L-E-Y. Again, that is M-C-C-U-L-L-E-Y. Go ahead and hit that follow button as well when you get to the website to be notified of every single upload. Also, please make sure to share the podcast around. I'd definitely appreciate that. I'd also appreciate it if you guys could rate the podcast on both Google and Apple Podcasts. Helps me just to see who's all enjoying the, who's all enjoying the content in the show. And um, so, yeah, I definitely appreciate that too. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of going to wrap it up for today. And, um, yeah, again, this has been the Full Court Blitz Sports Show. I hope you all are having – I hope you all ha continue to have an amazing day whenever you guys watch this. And, um, yeah, peace out, guys.